0: You can hear me, right? uh uh-huh. hmm Okay.
1: Um, before we get started, though, I want to tell you my dog park story from yesterday. <clears throat> okay, so you, you'll, you'll, be, be you'll be proud of me. Um, so I was at the dog park, and we'd been there for maybe like 15 minutes or something, and I saw this woman pull up, and, you know, she's pulling dogs out of the back of her car, and she pulls five dogs out, and then there's 10 dogs, and then there's 15 dogs. And she comes into the park with with fifteen dogs, one person, one dog sitter with fifteen dogs, um, and then she went back to the car and got another like five dogs out of the car. And so first of all, um, I was horrified that she put that many loose dogs in the back of a car. Uh, that was scary to me. And then, what kind know, of car was it? It was like a big old uh, minivan SUV sort of thing. Um, but still, that many dogs loose in the back of the car is not appropriate. And you yeah. know, like. Half of these dogs she brought in were small dogs that were under 15 pounds. She brought into the big dog side. Um, Freya can't be there with little dogs because her um, fetch drive is too high. Uh, And, you know, so I I was getting up to leave. And for the first time in my life, I walked up to someone and I told them I disagreed with what they were doing. Yes. And I asked her if she was, you know, in control of all of these dogs. And, um... Some other guy that like was just inside of the dog park was like, haha, yeah, you know, this woman can control 15 dogs all by herself. And I was like, no, I was like, you know, there's a three dog per one person rule at the dog park. Um, And I think that's actually kind of generous, but um, I think it should be two to one. Um, And she, you know, she was like, I've been a dog sitter for 12 years and I've never had a problem, which is a lie. That's a lie because you can own a dog for one year. You can own one dog for one year and you'll have some sort of problem. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's a that's bullshit. Um, I was like, I've been an animal behaviorist for 10. Okay, like I'm not, this isn't like a who has more experience battle. I'm straight up telling you this isn't safe. You can't control your dog on the other side of the dog park. And our, my dog park's huge. So like, and I was like, what do you, like my dog, my big dog can't be in here with little dogs. And she was like, oh, I can take the little dogs out. Well, where are you going to, where are you going to put them on the small dogs In the car? In the car? Like, what, what are you going (laughs) to do? Crazy. And then, and then I was like, you know, I'm just going to leave. And she was really upset that I was upset. She was like, well, I don't want you to be uncomfortable. And I was like, you're making everyone here uncomfortable. And I said, I'm just going to take my dogs on a walk. And she was like really upset. And I'm glad she was upset, but like, has nobody said this to her in 12 years? And I could have, you That's know, fucked it was, up. I know. And I was like shaking so hard because I don't confront people. Yeah. Same. I did the same thing, happens. So yeah. yeah. Um, and I, ne- I never yelled or anything. Like, I stayed in my case. And then I walked away and I called my fiance because I was so upset. She's at work. And I was yeah. like, I need to talk to you. Um, and then when I was talking to her, I, like, l- I lost it. I realized how mad I was that yeah. this, this woman was, you know, okay, she had 20 dogs. Even if she's charging a super low rate of $20, that's $400 she's making. She can hire someone to come with her. And secondly, she's making money off of public land and taking it away from responsible dog owners like me. I can't enjoy the dog park if there's a woman there with 20 unsupervised dogs. Second, I would be devastated to learn that my dog sitter was throwing my dog in the back of a car loose with that many dogs for an unsupervised hour at the dog park. I'm sure she tells them, oh, yeah, they go in a pack and people are thinking five or six. Yep.
0: Yep. I that's so messed up. Yeah, that's what I think about, too, is I'm like, imagine like if I found out that my dog sitter was taking my dog in a group like that to the dog park.
1: I would just be horrified. I'd be furious.
0: Cause you think you're paying, you're also probably think you're paying for something else, but, but also like the, the risk that you're posing on every dog there is so much higher now.
1: I don't understand how she doesn't have any fear of that because when I was a dog sitter and I would take dogs, I was hyper concerned about the animal that was in my care. I I needed so much anxiety. (laughs) It was horrible. (laughs) I used to, like, I would leave for an hour, and I'll be, I'll be like, Maggie's gonna be dead when I get home. Like, for no good reason. Like, I crated her, you know, with her normal toys, and I'll be like, she's gonna just be dead. Like, that was my anxiety. I would never, it would scare me to even take a client's dog to the dog park at all. It scares me to take my own dogs to the dog park sometimes. Yeah. So anyway, I was upset, and, um... Lauren was like, well, was there like a label on her car or anything? And I said, no, she didn't have a sign on her car, which, by the way, after I walked my dogs, I got to climb inside of a car that said, you know, positive reinforcement animal educator on the side of it. And so I hope she saw that
0: your car says that.
1: Yeah, I have big magnets on the side of my car. It says (laughs) it says um, positive reinforcement animal educator. And it says dogs, horses, monkeys, humans and service animals. Oh, wow. That's a fancy. I don't know. I, how do you even report? Do you have to call Parks and Rec?
0: Yeah, probably or animal control, maybe. No, yeah, I don't decided.
1: think it's animal control, oh. but probably Parks and Rec. But I just I feel shitty being like that kind of person. But but really, it was no, it was, she needs to
0: do her fucking job. Oh, my God. Anyway, well, thought, I'm glad you said something to her. She needs she needs to hear she it. She needed that. That's so frustrating. I know.
1: Uh, okay. I mean, we can get started. I just wanted to tell you my, um, my story.
0: I like how she was like spewing her resume to you, like to prove that she could handle it. Like, okay. So
1: I was like, bitch, I don't care. (laughs) You know, I was like, I've seen it go badly before. And so I'm just going to leave. I'm not asking you to leave. I'm just telling you why I'm leaving. You know, I was like, I've seen it go badly before. And she was like, yeah, so have I i was like lady that doesn't make me feel better (laughs) like like she's trying to prove she's some sort of dog whisperer it doesn't exist it does not exist there is no such thing as a person who can just magically control 20 dogs it doesn't exist i was so mad oh but she got all these dogs out of the car and I was watching her like hard yank on the leashes to keep these dogs from pulling her. Two of the dogs slipped their collars and just ran to the gate, thank God.
0: What a fucking shit show.
1: I know, like, anyway.
0: I'm gonna light a candle, I'm gonna set the mood. <laughs> okay. Look at my matchbook. It's Meryl Streep,
1: Photoshop onto a bowl. of Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms. Um, okay, did you light the candle?
0: <laughs> I'm not, I'm getting I'm
1: not sure. Let me know when you're in the mood about What smell is it?
0: Oh, here it is. Orange clove, embellished with cloves. Whole oranges embellished with cloves give off a warm and spicy citrus scent and provide natural holiday decor.
1: Welcome to Triple F Dogcast, the podcast about candles. <laughs> no, um, welcome to Triple F Dogcast, uh, the podcast about our faithful furry fucks. Uh, that we call our own, our treasured dogs. My name is B. I'm Audrey, and uh, thanks for being patient while we were like out of town and traveling, and and but we're back, and we're excited to be back. Um, Audrey, you said you've got some weird shit for us. Yes, so I, I guess it goes hand in hand with the fact that
0: we've been traveling separately. Um, so I had my sister come watch Sherlock while I was gone. And he would not walk with her.
1: God, he's been fussy with dog sitters, hasn't he? He is such a fucking brat. Oh, my God.
0: And I had to do, like, major coaxing to get her to come over, too. Like... I was like, "Oh, Violeta, can you please come?" And I like, I gave her like five sleeves of Nespresso pods. I gave her my old Fitbit. I like gave her like a Subway card with forty dollars on it. <laughs> like I, I was like, "You help yourself to one of my Hello Fresh meals." Like I was laying it on thick because I was like, "I need her to dog sit." And then she comes and she feeds him, and then she tries to take him out, and he would not walk.
1: What, does he dislike her has he like ever shown any f- like so what would what do you what, he just wouldn't go outside
0: he wouldn't he, she had to drag him outside
1: <laughs> did she have her um phone muted her
0: phone, oh yes yeah, she does yeah <laughs> okay. she doesn't have her phone on vibrator she just ha- she's always had it on silent
1: okay um okay so she had to drag him outside to get him to go potty yeah how many days was she they, there for
0: only one night okay
1: So how many times did she had to take him out in that one night? She
0: should have only had to take him out once, but he didn't poop on their walk. So she had to bring him back out again later that night.
1: And he was um, fussy both times.
0: yes. Until the second time she ran into our neighbor who has like this little dog we're friends with. And then she said after she saw Alfie, like, after Sherlock saw Alfie, he got super excited and worked up, and then he walked.
1: Okay. Isn't um, that so weird? It is weird. I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to think about what it could be. Here's, here's another question I have, though. Um, is So he didn't poop on his first walk, which is abnormal. He normally has a routine. Does he mm-hmm. normally poop like right outside, or do you have to walk half a block, or what is it?
0: We normally walk... We have a big, it's a big block. So, you know, you're like in New York the are like avenues and are long and the streets are shorter. Right. So we walk around like the block and he will do all of his business in that walk.
1: Okay. And it's the same walk that Violetta took him on? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, a dog won't poop if they're nervous or uncomfortable. Uh, so I guess whatever, you know, weird vibe he had about your sister was making him uncomfortable. Uh, It is really weird. I don't think I have a great idea why, but I will say that I used to dog sit a dog in downtown L.A. And um, if there had been, like, too loud of a noise outside, he wouldn't want to go on the walk. And um, originally this had become a problem because a dog sitter got bitten by him, and he's a large breed dog, um, because he really didn't want to go outside on the walk, and she cornered him to try to put the leash on him. Um, and, oh. he, and he bitter. I mean, it wasn't bad, but he did break the skin. And so I got called out. And, you know, I was like, well, his body language is please don't touch me. Um, yeah. and, and so it was like, we had to work with him and everybody involved with him, his whole team to, to learn how to read his body language. And it got to the point where like, you'd pull his leash out. But if he thought it was too noisy outside, he would go hide. And so then you'd just, put the, you'd just put the leash down. And eventually when he thought it wasn't too noisy outside and he really, really had to go, he'd come over and ask, ask to go mm-hmm. out. Um, but it was the same thing with dog sitters. If they got the leash on him, he, you would have to drag him out the door. And if you did get him outside, he didn't even want to go on the walk. He would, like, walk, do his business, and then turn around and try to run back to the apartment building. yeah I don't know if that, you know, if that was any Sherlock of Sherlock's um, situation that there was just like a somebody's tire blew out or there had been somebody screaming. Although you guys are so high up, there's no way he would hear that. Exactly. Because that dog was on the third floor. You guys are 20 floors above that. Maybe, yeah. maybe there's like a bird crashed into the window. <laughs> oh, God.
0: I don't think I've ever experienced that. Thank God. I, I don't know why he did it. Now, also, there's, there is a corgi phenomenon where they do this.
1: What is it called? I can't remember the name of it.
0: I'm going to look it up right now.
1: It's, it's, a, it's like corgi Cause... flop where they lay down and they refuse to keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> Every corgi I've ever known does this. Oh, it's called dawdling. Doddling. Who was the corgi on Instagram that coined it? Win- Winston the White Corgi. Doddling Winston.
0: Doddling. And so it's like different things that they do to avoid walking. But what is that?
1: Well, I think, I mean, it is just to avoid going the direction that you want to go. Spooky does it, for example. If I want to turn left and she wants to turn right, Spooky lays down.
0: Yeah, Sherlock will do that occasionally, too. Yeah. Like, just, he, he, like, stretches his arms out and, like, It looks like I'm going to to rip his head off.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard. It's also really hard when you have a dog sitter because if you had been there to see it, you would probably have a better read on the situation because you know Sherlock really well.
0: Maybe she was trying to go a different direction. That's
1: what I'm saying is it could have been her routine was just different enough. That Sherlock was like, "Nah, I'm not into this." I was like, "No, we don't do this." <laughs> <laughs> um, that's my best. That's not how I walk. That's my yeah, best guess. That's probably. Did did his dawdling start at your door, or did it start at the the lobby when you went out? When she went it out, started to the at the lobby. Okay. She yeah. Interesting. Wait, here's another question. Doesn't doesn't Sherlock get treats from the doorman? Yeah. Did um, does he get treats on the way out and the way in?
0: No, just okay. on the way
1: back in. Okay. Like, I was, after
0: he, after
1: he, once he's a good boy and he does everything, <laughs> then he gets the treat. He gets get free treats. I thought maybe he saw his doorman and Violetta was like, let's go walk. And he was like, no, fuck you, my treats. <laughs> um, okay. There is one guy who he absolutely
0: loves who just gives him treats whenever he sees him, but I doubt he was there that night.
1: Okay, well, that's my other suspicion is maybe it was something like that. He wasn't ready to leave the lobby because something was different about the routine. Um, But did she have to drag him like the whole way around the block?
0: Yeah. What a turd. Yeah, he was such an asshole to her.
1: It was like that um, video you sent me where Sherlock would lay down and then you would squat and he would walk to you and then you'd stand up and he would lay down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You had to do squats around the whole block to get up. I think I put that...
0: On our IGTV, or maybe I put it on Sherlock's IGTV. I should put it on there because it was pretty funny.
1: Oh, so funny.
0: He just refused. Okay, yeah, I'll put it on our IGTV.
1: That's weird. I wish I, I, wish I had a better answer. I think we you know, we got close. I always like tell people, because when someone comes up to me with weird shit, And I can't figure it out right away. Um, It's always that there's, like, some information I'm not seeing. Yeah. And so I'm always, like, just next time it happens, film it, please. Um, And then text it to me, and I'll try to tell you what's going on. But, like, of course, and um, my dogs are, like, totally perfect uh, examples of this, is they'll be doing something weird or cute or whatever, and I pull my phone out, and the second I press record, they stop and look at me. How do they fucking know? How do they know? Well, like, spooky... (laughs) actually um when we first adopted spooky we used to joke that she never slept because she was very high anxiety when we got her and she was very afraid of us um and we would put her in her crate at night and she would be wide awake you know when we put her in and then we would go to get her out of the crate in the morning and she would be wide awake you know and um we never saw her sleep because she was just too um on alert around us but as she got more and more comfortable she started to sleep and we were really excited that she was sleeping, so we wanted to take pictures of her, and I swear to God, every single time, silently, I'd lift my phone up, Spooky would open one eye and look at us. (laughs) how did they know? (sighs) Like, she doesn't seem to mind if I'm looking down at my phone in my lap, but when I pick it up to take a photo, she seems to know. That it's, it's about her. And I will also say one more thing before we move on, is that if, I'm, if everybody at the dinner table is looking down at their phone, Spooky will come around and try to steal food off of the table because she knows that people are distracted when they're looking down at their phone. She's too smart. They know.
0: So anyway, I think you're right. That was probably just a, a different... She, maybe she just tried walking. Maybe she like tried to go... In the same circle, but even if she just walked the the wrong way in the circle, that probably would have stopped him.
1: Yeah, you should try it. You should try going the other way on the circle and see how Sherlock responds. Okay. I'm just curious. Give it a shot and let us know.
0: All right, I will.
1: Okay. All right, what are you going to talk about, drop it and leave it? No, we're going to do positive reinforcement.
0: Oh, that's right. And I have
1: <laughs> great. Thanks, Audrey. I, um, I have some. I have some good stuff to talk about. So we're gonna we're gonna go through it. And I think this episode might end up being like kind of longer. I mean, I spent 12 minutes bitching about that lady at the dog park. I will try to cut yeah. that down.
0: I'm ready for can- some canine connection.
1: Canine connection. Oh. Great. Right. So uh, today we were gonna talk about just the whole concept of positive reinforcement uh, dog training. There are a couple different kinds of dog training. There is um, correction dog training, which is things like shot collars and pinch collars. Um there is um, blended, which is a use of both, you know consequence training and um, or I should say correction training uh, and positive reinforcement. And we're going to mostly talk about positive reinforcement today because that's um the most useful tool when it comes to dog training and i think there's um a big shift in uh dog culture towards positive reinforcement now
0: where does um where does like the the style of like the
1: alpha come from
0: or is that part of like correction training yeah um
1: that's actually a really good question and i'm glad you brought that up i don't know if i can tell you who started it but I mean it was been it's been around for a long, long time because mm. it was modeled after what people thought they were seeing amongst dogs and, and um it's more or less been disproven since like the eighties. Um <laughs> that it just doesn't work and it doesn't doesn't mean anything. And yes, you'll see um dominant and submissive and like um alpha wolves in, in a wolf pack, but you have to remember that our dogs are so so far away from the wolf they share a lot of um you know genealogy but they don't have the same brains anymore um and so that's that's a big part of it um really what i think it comes down to because i will be honest and admit that i i see um dominant and submissive power exchanges between my dogs and in packs of dogs that i've handled um, I think the problem comes in when people try to be the alpha and they do that thing where they grab the dog and pin him down or growl on the dog's face. Yeah, That's more likely to develop um, fear and distrust than respect really quickly in a dog. Um, so I think I, I don't want to say that um, dominance and submission don't exist in dogs because I feel like I see it, um, but it's not the way that we should train. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so positive reinforcement training – um uh, means a couple things, but I'm going to try to kind of explain it the way that I used to explain it to, um, my clients. And so one of the things I used to always talk about is a dog's to do list, like a dog's daily agenda. What are the, the top things on your dog's daily agenda? Do you remember what the, the two things we used to say were? Um, to have the most fun, to like eat the most snacks that's correct is that it so (laughs) you got it um so food and fun are the are the two things at the very top of your um dog's to-do list and i think that's a good comparison to like a wolf who the top things on their to-do list is like food survival uh mating right um a dog a neutered or a spayed dog um top two things on their to-do list is have the most fun they can have and eat the most food that they can eat. And if you look at your dog's entire decision-making process through that filter, it helps you figure out how to, what you need to modify to modify the behavior. Yeah. Um, So I kind of Saying that, uh, food and fun, we can talk about what I usually refer to as like the scale of judgment, which is how your dog makes a decision. So let's say um, you ask Sherlock to settle down and he has two options. One, he can settle down or two, he cannot settle down. Whichever one of those choices is more fun and more delicious will win. So if you visualize this little scale in your mind and like fun and and food make that side of the scale go down. So you think about food and fun as like, which um, behavior are you trying to make heavier? What you're trying to make more important to your dog?
0: To compare today, I got him a bully stick after our walk. And I said, go to bed, and he ran to bed because he knew that as soon as he settled down, he would get his bully sick.
1: Right. So he had the proper motivation in that, um, yeah. in that regard. And I like that you mentioned that because um, a lot of people notice that about their dogs. Okay, well, he'll listen if I'm holding treats, but he won't listen if I'm not holding treats. And um, I get it. It's super frustrating. The first thing I tell everyone is use treats for as long as you need to, and eventually one day you'll notice you don't need them. Um, but like Sherlock, you know, settle down is a hard behavior. You're asking him to go lay down and take a nap. Once in a while, you might need to remind him that he gets something good for it. Um, basically. Yeah, I notice, like,
0: even when I'm on my walks, just having treats with me, like, as a security, like, if he does something really good, he gets one. And then the next time he does something good and I just praise him, he's happy, He doesn't need another treat immediately after that.
1: Right. Um, exactly. I mean, and that's, God, I mean, I didn't have treats the other day and, uh, someone's two little dogs, um, pushed the front door open. Like they had like a screen door and I guess they didn't close it all the way. Um, it took the owner so long to get outside because I'm sure she was like in the shower or something, you know, and she finally got out there and she was mortified. Um, but I was able to put my dogs in a sit and a stay when those little dogs ran out and, uh. She got the little dogs and I walked away and guess what? I didn't have any treats. So I couldn't even reward the behavior of not like trying to play or interact with these um, loose dogs. And so that's unfortunate because what happened is they stayed and the only thing that they got in exchange for it was no playtime. And had they tried to play, they would have gotten playtime because I didn't have the treats to like, back it up um it's probably not going to work as well the next time i need it so i'm going to have to pull the treats out right it's that scale of judgment every time you make an Mm -hmm. error you throw a weight on the wrong side of the scale so just having um treats in your walking pouch um keeps that from happening you can always reward a good behavior
0: yeah totally
1: um okay so do you (laughs) do you know what operant and classical conditioning are you maybe can't tell me the difference between them anymore. God, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like I know it,
0: but I operant and classical conditioning.
1: Okay, so both of them are used to teach dogs. Um, operant conditioning is basically like your dog offers you a voluntary behavior and they get a reward. So this is like the basic of dog training that everyone understands. Your dog sits, they get a treat, mm. and your dog learns to sit, you know, to get that reward. Um, It's also things like frail rings the bell at the back door and that then the door opens Um, or, you know, they sit at the crosswalk and then they get to cross the street. So the the dog offers a behavior and they get a reward. That's what a lot of people understand about dog training. Um, But there's a problem that comes up with that, which is is um, the moment that you put that treat in your dog's mouth, whatever your dog is doing in that moment is what's being rewarded. Mm. So can you think of an example why that would be problematic when it comes to trying to train a dog?
0: I mean, yeah, because their minds move so quickly, you know, by the time it takes for you to get the treat out of your bag, they don't even know what they did it for. Maybe just for sitting down and like looking at another dog. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right. By the time you get the treat out of your bag, the dog has likely changed the behavior, right? Right so like here's a really common one um people ask their little dog their little puppy to sit the puppy sits they pull the treat out of their bag and reach down to hand it to the puppy and the puppy jumps up to meet them halfway to get the treat yeah you are not rewarding sit you're rewarding jump and so what happens is you create this little dog who you say sit and they sit and then immediately pop up into the air that's not a very useful sit Mm -mm. Um, And it's because the dog is getting the treat at the moment that they're jumping. That one's pretty easy to fix. Pull the treat away if they jump up. Wait for them to sit. Make sure they're sitting as you put the treat in their mouth.
0: Oh, yeah. I think we talked about this, Um, thinking they're getting rewarded for exiting the crate and not for being in the crate all day.
1: Right. So that's a huge problem is people put the dog in the crate close the door, let the dog out, give him a treat. Or even just praising them like, oh, I miss you so much, right. like
0: this and that, it's, the re- it's rewarding
1: them when they exit. Right, so I think one of the big things when you first start trying to train a dog is to become critical of what is the dog doing in the exact moment that they're receiving the reward. Um, and that will help you figure out the timing of delivering the reward. There's um, something that we can use to help us deal with that timing? Do you know what it is? I, I think I do. <laughs> Audrey just raised her hand. A marker. A marker. Uh, what is a marker?
0: Um, it could be a clicker or some kind of a word or sound that lets your dog know that exactly what they did in that moment is why they're getting the reward.
1: Correct. So that's what classical conditioning is. Um, classical conditioning is when you associate a unrelated stimuli with, um, a reward or, a you know, a response. So that would be like, um, the sound of the clicker means that your dog is getting a treat or, you know, the, the ringing of the bell with Pavlov's, you know, um, research, the ringing of the bell means the dogs are getting food. The ringing of the bell doesn't mean anything until you attach food to, um, the, the sound. So a marker, um, like you said, can be a sound, a word, Um, Some people use the clicker. Um, I'm a fan of verbal markers. Uh, You and I both use the word yes. Okay, so you attach the marker to a food reward. And then how do you use it?
0: Every time they, if they sit, the minute their butt touches the ground,
1: yes. Exactly. And then you have the time to reach into your treat pouch and get the treat. Because Mm -hmm. the second they hear that noise, they go, I did the right thing. Food, 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 food. Yeah. Like that was what I did. That was correct. Right. So markers are really super useful. And actually, I think they are the um, best tool for building that um, dictionary of, of cues. Because when you get a new dog and you're trying to teach sit, lay, their name, stay, wait, leave it, drop it, take it, um, loose leash walking, you know, it's like that's so much for a dog to try to d- differentiate what each of those cues mean. The marker becomes a really easy way for you to tell your dog that's exactly it, you got it. And every time like the dog sits and you mark it, um, it's like a little chemical flag in their brain. Um, that, like, n- neuron path in their brain strength- strengthens every time yeah. because it's a really clear um, reward associated with uh, the behavior. Mm-hmm.
0: So why do you use – why do you prefer a verbal marker over
1: exactly, a – was, That
0: was exactly right. <laughs> okay, so
1: ask, ask me the question again.
0: <laughs> so why do you prefer a verbal marker over a sound as a marker?
1: Um – The reason I like the verbal marker better than the clicker is because people lose the clicker. Um, You usually don't have the clicker on you when you need it. And sometimes like reaching for the clicker is as difficult as reaching for the treat. Um, I used to, um, I mentor or my mentor when I first became a dog trainer, she made us wear those like stretchy bracelets and have the clicker on our bracelet, which I really liked because you could just grab it from your Mm -hmm. wrist. But it's hard for a lot of people to juggle the leash, a handful of treats, and a clicker. So they don't use it. They just don't use it.
0: Yeah, the clicker can be just as hard to grab as a treat, like you said. And then by that time, you'll have missed your opportunity.
1: Right. And what happens is the clicker is the only thing they start with, and then they stop using it, and then they don't have a marker at all. And in fact, do you remember that bitch that came up to me after...
0: Was that... No, that happened to me. Was it you? yes you were teaching a class oh shit doing teaching a beautiful class and I was you know running around doing stuff and this snotty little bitch comes over to me because you know I'm wearing a dog trainer shirt and she's like exactly said that said I don't agree that you like you should be using a clicker like vocal is like so like it's like not the right way to do it and I was like I was like you know what and I looked over at you and then I was like, it works pretty well for us. <laughs>
1: Thank you for defending me.
0: Because I'm like, and you know, I didn't want to like, obviously, like she wasn't going to care what I said next. But it was like, you know, a verbal is with you always. And sometimes the clicker, not everyone has on them.
1: It's just so snobby. But she was
0: real snooty about it.
1: I know. And that's the thing is, sure, yeah, the clicker is sharper. By all means, I'll admit it. If you're going to be teaching really high-level advanced stuff, use a clicker. But if you're teaching really high-level advanced stuff, you're probably good enough at using a clicker to use it. The vast majority of people we are teaching are just average pet owners. They've got kids. They've got jobs. There's a lot else going on by, by being like, oh, my God, you should never use a verbal cue and you should only use hand signals. And like, sure, but I'm trying to be a trainer that is realistic for realistic people. And um, I can still say the word yes, and my dog's head snap in my direction. So clearly, you know, it, it, there's a strong mm-hmm. association there.
0: And another thing I remember her saying was like, but like you say yes all the time. Like, so every time you say yes, your dog is going to look at you and expect a treat. And I was like, so you stare at your dog and say yes all the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's there's a delivery to the yes. There's a huge
0: difference. Yeah. You don't just say like, if I say, look, Sherlock's right here. And if I say yeah or yes, he just doesn't give a fuck.
1: But if you say it with the right tone, he's going to remember it. Yeah.
0: (gasps) Yes. And he looked at me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I like that excited little tone. And you know what? It doesn't have to be the word yes. It can be any word you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I had people use got it. Um, I've had people use correct. I knew a dog trainer that would go, yay, Um, (laughs) when the dog would do it. It doesn't matter as long as you're consistent and you attach um, the association of food to the marker. Um, And also, that being said, when your dog gets good at the marker, you can also teach a no marker. You have a, mm-hmm. a no marker. What is your no marker? You have one. What do you say when I Sherlock? Do? Does- yes. What do you say when Sherlock does something you don't want him to do? What do you say? Uh, wait. I have a no marker and I don't even know it. Yes, you do. So, what do you say? Like, let's say, um, give me one of Sherlock's tricks. Spin. Okay. So you ask Sherlock to spin, and he lays down. What do you say? Spin. What? I don't know. what the a, answer? <laughs> um, so, Sherlock, you ask Sherlock to spin, and he lays down. There's a sound that comes out of your mouth. It's not a word.
0: <gasps> I gasp.
1: Okay, so that's a good one. Gasping. That's a no marker. The, the most I do. Whenever one is, he's bad, I'm always like, <gasps> I use that one, too. Um, yeah. I also say, oops. Uh, and, but more common, the one I was looking for out of you is, uh-uh. Oh, yeah, I do say that. Okay, so that's a no marker. Um, Gasping can become a no marker. Um, Oops can be a no marker. The one that I actually teach is the phrase, try again. And so when you're teaching your dog and you ask him to spin and he lays down, you say, try again. And your dog will learn that try again is the opposite of yes. And they won't do the thing they did before, which is the lay. He does the spin. You say, yes, he gets the treat. So you can have both a yes marker that tells your dog, that's exactly what I wanted, and you can ha- have a no marker that tells the dog, try something else. Yeah. It becomes a really easy way to talk to your dog. Okay, I have a, que- I have a question for you.
0: Um, I <laughs> forgot. It. Hopefully I know the answer to it.
1: Oh, okay. Do you have to say a cue before you use a marker? Like, do you have to say no. sit or stay? No. Why not?
0: Um okay, so for example, uh I think that's part of it goes hand in hand with like the desensitization. Because when I so Sherlock is a herding dog, so he loves to bark at things. So we live on a waterfront and so he likes to bark at the waves. Great. And so great, yeah. So whenever we walk by and the waves are particularly harsh, and he makes eye contact with the water and doesn't bark. <laughs> I marked that moment
1: right. because
0: I want him to know that by not barking at the water, he gets a reward.
1: Good. So I didn't have to say anything,
0: but I still gave him, I still marked it.
1: I think what you're trying to get at is that there's verbal cues, like sit, lay, stay, and then there's contextual cues, which are things like, You and your uh, boyfriend are sitting down at a table eating lunch, and so Sherlock should lay down. Or you're walking past the ocean, and Sherlock should not bark. Those are um, contextual cues, and even though you don't say anything, you can still mark the correct behavior, and um, it will increase the likelihood of that behavior happening again. Uh, If you make being quiet next to the waves more fun and more delicious than barking at the waves, your dog will choose to be quiet. So... You're right, you don't have to always say a cue. Sometimes the cue can just be the environment um, or the position of the people in the room you know, or, or whatever it happens to be. So yeah, you can use your marker at any moment that you like what your dog is doing. Will your dog necessarily know what they were doing when you marked the behavior? No, that's not how dogs think or learn. This is something that happens on like the, in the subconscious um, instinctual place. No, your dog doesn't understand that they're getting the treat for not barking at the waves. But on the 50th time, they will understand that they're getting the treat for not barking at the waves. Because they don't speak English, you have to repeat, 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 repeat for your dog to learn the pattern. But they will learn it and they'll figure out what you want if you do it enough. Yeah,
0: I, I use contextual marking all the time.
1: I mean, and that's what it really gets to. Like the first year of training your dog is building that dictionary, which is all of your cues. And then every year after that is just maintaining, um, you know, the right relationship with your dog. That includes explaining when you like a behavior and explaining when you don't like a behavior. Yeah.
0: So like, OK, so if I'm in a situation where um, I like, let's say I'm just walking with Sherlock and he's being good and he sees a dog and they lock eyes and they don't like each other and he starts barking do i ignore
1: that you're you're asking how do you respond yeah. to that behavior yeah.
0: how yeah how do you respond to a bad behavior like in the moment like when you're not in like a controlled you know where it's not just like oh like my dog you know lay down instead of spinning where
1: you can be like uh
0: uh-uh, uh like try again okay good how question how do you
1: yeah so um this comes down to um you know, I want you to think about the scale of judgment while we, while we go through this, but, um, you have to hit it from two angles. One is desensitization, which we've talked about before, right? Which is do set up a controlled environment so that you can work on your dog's reaction to other dogs. Um, but the second is avoidance. And that means if you make, Sherlock makes eye contact with another dog and they start dogging each other and it's clear they're going to react, or maybe he's already reacting. You just get yourself out of the situation as soon as possible. Um, turn around, hustle your dog in the other direction. Um, who's that? I don't know. Someone's walking around behind the door.
0: Spooky. That sounds like spooky.
1: Yeah. She needs her toenails clipped. That's what that says. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I would just get out of the situation as best as possible. And like, let's say you're walking Sherlock and he hasn't barked yet, but you see some big ass dog up the road or what is this thing? French bulldogs. Right. So you, you're walking him. He sees a frenchie uh and you don't have treats on you I would turn around and go the other way because if you end up having an explosion your dog reacts um what's happening is your dog is getting a success on the wrong side of the scale because Sherlock okay Sherlock barks at a, a frenchie and what does the frenchie do walks away right the owner and that dog continue their walk in Sherlock's little delusional mind he's like yeah I chased that frenchie away yeah and so Barking at the dog was more fun than being quiet was, cause barking at the dog had a result. The dog walked away. The other dog barked. Um, you probably reacted, so on and so forth. Um, so I'm gonna
0: throw another. I'm gonna throw another spin on this. What if I can't turn around because it's not his routine and he won't fucking move? <laughs>
1: um, okay. So what so do I do? <laughs> if you can't turn around, the next thing would be a body block. Uh, yeah. Body blocks um, are useful. Get in front of your dog. Back him into a corner. Um, back him between you know two parked cars. And, like get him out of the line of sight of this other dog. Yeah. Um, which actually a lot of times if you body block, uh, your dog will calm down, and then you can like slowly step aside and be ready with the treats that time to do mm-hmm. the desensitization. Uh, yeah. The, the idea of avoidance is avoid avoiding situations where your dog can learn the wrong thing, and that's one of them. Yes,
0: I think my biggest struggle is I mean for all account from all accounts like Sherlock is a good dog and it's only certain dogs that like he reacts to and I pretty much know what kind of dogs he reacts to so I do avoid them. But sometimes like out of the blue like we'll be walking path and you know we have big sidewalks. Uh, Someone on the other end and we're on this end like Sherlock's on my far right and the other dogs are on the owner's far right so they're complete opposite side and out of nowhere he just like starts barking and like i don't even expect it or see it coming and it's not and it's not often but it happens so how do i how do i react
1: um I mean, as far as reactions. Or reaction, just,
0: just like shit happens.
1: Right, shit happens. I will say that. Um, yeah, I'll leave it, you know, walking on. Trying to be more interesting than what's happening. I've even had people with really reactive dogs when another dog comes by and their dog starts barking, they drop a handful of kibble on the sidewalk. And then suddenly the dog is like, <laughs> suddenly the dog is like nose on the sidewalk and they're like, find it, find it, find it. And so oh the dog is
0: Oh my I doing, love that. Yeah,
1: do, that's an avoidance technique. Is it's doing anything except for barking at the other dog. Now I will say yeah. this. Yes, shit's going to happen sometimes, which is, hello, why I don't trust that lady at the dog park that says she's gone 12 years without an yep. incident. Um, but shit's going to happen sometimes. And what I will say is that for every one time your dog makes a mistake, you, have sh- you should have rewarded a hundred times that he did the right thing. Yeah. So if, you're, if Sherlock is going to have a reaction, you know, once every two weeks... In between there, you should still be rewarding him for not reacting to other dogs because you're going to continue to weigh the scale down on the side that um, will more likely result in good behavior. You know, so yeah, bad situations are going to happen. You know, there's times where I say leave it where Spooky turns around and grabs the chicken bone from the sidewalk, you know, just really blatantly does the thing I told her not to do. And, you know, that just means I need to next week go out with some treats and practice some leave-its. If my, Mm -hmm. you know, if the, if the behavior didn't work, um, I haven't put in the effort necessary. So it really comes, it really comes down to that thing where have treats with you. And it's easy to take it for granted. Um, when Sherlock is good 95% of the time, especially living Mm -hmm. where you live, like New York city, you see like three dogs a block. Yeah. Um, But that gives you the great opportunity to reward your dog. For every dog he sees, even you just pop a treat in his mouth. It's just, yes, he looks at the dog, yeah. yes, pop a treat. You don't even have to stop the walk. Um, but that will make it less likely that you'll have an episode in the future. And or it will keep the random episodes from weakening the good behavior.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, is it possible to, um, to use both positive rewarding and also like negative, like consequ- like consequences? Or do you think it cancels each other out?
1: No. So there's there's something called a blended trainer or they advertise themselves as a blended trainer. Where it's, you use mostly positive reinforcement training, but for some stuff that's maybe serious or very difficult, they'll use something like a shock collar. Um this would be like a dog who uh is either going to learn to stop barking or the dog is going to end up in the shelter or the owners are going to have to leave their apartment building. That's a situation where we'll put maybe a shock collar on a dog because that's about keeping the dog in a home um and not having another homeless hard to place animal. Um but that has to go hand in hand with okay is the dog getting enough exercise? Are you desensitizing the sounds of people walking by? Are you, you know, so on and so forth, which falls into the positive reinforcement category, Um, Mm -hmm. you can give your dog consequences inside of positive reinforcement. For example, um, my dog is laying on the couch and chewing a bone, and Spooky walks past her and Freya growls. Freya loses the bone. Okay, that's a... That's a consequence. It's a consequence that didn't require me hitting or yanking or yelling at my dog. I just took away the fun or delicious thing. So, by knowing that your dog's priorities are food and fun, you can give your dog consequences by taking food or fun away. Another good example of that is your dog jumps up on you, and so you turn into a tree and you look at the sky and you pull your arms in. That's taking away the fun um, thing of you interacting with your dog. So, that's also Mm -hmm. a consequence. There's, you know, again, if we're like getting into the psychology of it, there is both um, positive um, reinforcement and positive punishment and then negative reinforcement and negative punishment. Um, And those have to do with like whether you're trying to improve, you know, strengthen a behavior or weaken a behavior and whether you're adding a good thing or you're taking away. But basically, if you think about it through the lens of my dog wants food and fun, you can reward them by giving them food or fun and you can um, punish them by taking away food or fun. And it's just really the most effective way because it's the way the dog understands it the best. If you start doing things like your consequence to the dog pulling is you snap the choke chain. Instead of using a currency your dog understands, like food and fun, you're using fear, which sure, a lot of dogs understand fear. But do you want a dog that's afraid of you? Because a dog yeah. that's afraid of you is more likely to to bite. Um You know, it's like a lot of times I would use the money thing for people to help them understand is like, you're not going to go to work if you're not getting money. So just give your dog the money and they'll do what you ask. (sighs) Respect doesn't come from being scary and big and loud in front of your dog. Respect comes from you paying them for their work. (laughs) It's that simple.
0: Yeah. Yep. They earned it.
1: Um, I also think that in general, like obviously positive reinforcement has like a psychological definition, but to me, positive reinforcement also, um, emphasizes the importance of, um, patience and compassion and compromise when it comes to training your dog. And I think those really, those three things are really important and necessary for creating, um, a life that you and your dog can live together safely and happily with good communication.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, with any relationship, communication is key. So it makes sense that you would want that with your dog or pet.
1: I think um, what we'll talk about next week, since this was kind of like a intro to dog training episode, yeah. Well. Um, is I think next week we'll talk about follow through, which is like, what do you do if you have a stubborn dog? Like, what do you do if you have a dog that you say sit and you know your dog knows how to sit, but they just stare at you?
0: Oh, yeah. Tell um, me about it.
1: I want to talk about that next week because that has to do with communication and the whole idea that um, a lot of of times your dog just doesn't understand what you're saying, and a lot of times people don't understand what their dog is saying, and we can solve a lot of those problems by coming up with, like, a um, universal language that works between humans and dogs, um, which is the the clicker or the marker, the yes marker is the first step um, to doing that. But I think we'll go more in depth next week.
0: Yeah, the marker is the first step to really everything.
1: Real fast before we um, move on, how do you load a marker? How do you create a marker?
0: You literally just say the word and give them treats. It's that easy. (laughs) It's that easy. So you sit in front of your dog. Yeah, and I can just say, yes, treat,
1: yes, treat, yes, treat. You should probably only have to do that once for your dog to learn the marker. You know, do it with like 10 treats. Um, and that's it. After that, um, you can just use it in context and they'll, they'll remember what it means. Um, a note about that. Don't do that if your dog is jumping. Do make sure your dog is doing a good behavior while you're giving them the treat. Yeah, like sitting or something right. or just being still. <laughs> As always be critical about what your dog is doing the moment you put the treat in their mouth. And then um, if you have multiple family members uh, that handle your dog, they should each load their marker because everybody's voice is different. We all have a different sound to our yes. But, like, if you and your boyfriend and your sister um, and your mom and dad all have done that, like, 30 seconds of loading their yes, um, the dog will have the same sort of um, understanding of your, um, you know, family's language as they will yours that was super comprehensive
0: <laughs> you have anything else to add very very educational um no oh i think actually um one more question you mm-hmm. think it's possible for dogs to learn verbal and sound markers oh totally yeah yeah
1: you, i mean and that's the thing with my dogs is um they use both the clicker and the yes the yes is more like i'm on a walk i'm in my apartment you know living life um, if I'm going to teach, you know, when I taught Lilu how to put her toys back in the basket, that was a clicker situation. Or any,
0: if you would do any
1: kind of like agility. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really doesn't matter, though. You can get away with either one um, or both. You know, use whichever one you think is more effective for you and your dog.
0: Cool. But yeah, you can, use, you don't have to use, you don't have to like limit yourself to just one. No. Okay.
1: Um, okay. Oh, you know what I want to fucking say? God, there's so much to kind of go over. Well, you know what? We'll we'll talk about it. Um, we'll talk about it next week. Which is how do you stop using treats? Um, how do you eventually get to a place where you don't need the marker and you don't need a treat to follow up every behavior? We'll get to that next week.
0: Yeah, I think that also goes with what you were saying earlier about dogs just kind of like looking at you and not.
1: Right. So that's a, a follow through issue, and we will we'll get into that next week. So I'll, yeah, I'll hold my horses on that one. Okay, um, Audrey, what's wagging?
0: So. Sherlock's map is wagging this week. couple reasons. So I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I well, I know I mentioned I live like near a waterfront, but it's very, it's like very long. It's a nice walk, but there's two separate parks. There's the park that is a city park next to the park. That is a state park and in the city, and they're right next to each other and the state park um doesn't allow dogs. And the city park does allow dogs. So directly in front of us is the state park. So it's like when you're walking around, when you're walking, there's a trail. And that's dog friendly. And then it stops and it turns into the state park and it's not dog friendly. And then that turns into a dog friendly park, dog friendly area. So
1: there's like like one area.
0: There's this beautiful area and it's a big area that doesn't allow dogs. And so this last week, they changed the rules and dogs are now allowed there. So they're not allowed on the grass yet, but (laughs) hopefully next time. Um, But so that's fun because now, you know, we can just like do this like nice, beautiful walk. Um, So that's very exciting. A win for dogs in the community. Um, The other reason Sherlock's Neb is wagging is I mentioned that when I traveled to Maine, I got him a reindeer ant or a moose antler. And he hasn't been like interested in it at all. And I'm like, oh like that's a shame. And but like great, this I last twenty bucks week... on that. Yeah. And this last week he realized how great it was and he has not stopped chewing on it and he loves it.
1: That's great news. Yeah. I bet that's actually that's your your nub is wagging because he's yeah. enjoying the the, <laughs> Thank toy, God. the toy you bought. And he's
0: put a decent dent in it. So he's happy.
1: That must have been um, so satisfying for him to, for what, like two years that he couldn't walk through that part of the park. And mm-hmm. then suddenly you just like step over that invisible threshold. Yeah. He must have been ecstatic to yeah, finally he was, get in there.
0: And today, so we walked, we did our walk today and it's like the first day, it feels like fall and he loves like fall weather where like this huge wind is blowing and it just like revitalizes him. So he just like ran into the park and he was like so happy
1: I'm so happy for him
0: yeah it was a very exciting moment
1: well I'm glad that um, Sherlock had a good week and um, I'm looking forward to talking again next week we'll go a little bit more um, in depth with, with how to even communicate with your dog and I think I'm going to take my dogs on a really long walk and not go to the dog park today
0: That sounds like a good plan.
1: Okay. Bye. Uh, No, no, let's go through it real fast just in case. Oh, okay. Um, okay, It's okay. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Uh, If you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Triple F Dogcast. And you can email us um, at Triple F Dogcast at gmail.com. You can email us just to say hi, to tell us about your dog. Um, or to submit questions or suggestions uh, for future episodes. We love to talk to you guys, so feel free to reach out. And Alrighty. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you to our editing assistant, Kaylee, and thank you to bensound.com for our music. How is Texas? It was good. Um, Super good for me. You know, I haven't seen that part of my family um, for a long time. How have you been?
0: Pretty good. Just, you know, living that unemployed life and time is ticking.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Panicking.
1: How's the job hunting going?
0: You know, not great. My mom is just like, it's a numbers game. Like, you just have to apply to like 200 jobs. I'm like,
1: I mean, that is true.